Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name is Mike Tanner, and I'm your host today, and I'm joined with my good friend Rob McDowell. Hi, Mike. Great to be here. Thanks for coming today. And my friend Ron Huntley. Hey, Mike. It's good to see you again. And we're also joined again this week by Tanya Noy. Thank you for coming today. Thanks for having me. We wanted to, uh, we had a, a great conversation last episode uh, about your role with St. Benedict Parish, uh, responsible for Alpha and engagement. And we wanted to draw on some of that experience to answer some questions that people might have. Uh, people ask us a lot of questions about how they can do these things. So uh, our, our mission, as we understand it, is to help bring people to Jesus. And we do that through a number of different ways. Uh, what have you seen in your role that are some obstacles to being invitational? And, and how do you think are some ways that, uh, that we can start to overcome some of those things? Yeah, so the main obstacle is the fear of rejection, right? It's a real thing. Some people are terrified of rejection. So the thought... <laughs> let me just affirm you right it's now, not my Ron, favorite. I'm not rejecting you. Um, yeah, and it's... Obviously, it's not anyone's favorite thing to be rejected, but it it does, inviting somebody, it does call for that, being able to put yourself in that space for the potential of rejection. Mm -hmm. And when people think about that, um, sometimes it's too much, and and that's the barrier, Mm -hmm. uh, the obstacle in inviting people um, into something, whether it's Alpha or just joining you for Mass or, or anything, um, even a discussion, yeah. let's say, uh, you know, about an experience or, or anything related to your faith. Um, there's that fear of rejection. Um, it was really interesting. I was at a conference recently, and one of the guest speakers actually did 100 days of rejection, like, uh, like an experiment. And it was fascinating because he had such traumatic, deep wounds about being rejected. And he was like, I have to get over this. I need to, the only way to get over something is to just really face it and dive in. So for a hundred days, this guy did absolutely crazy things. The really interesting thing was some of these crazy things that he did, he was not rejected in. Like he talked about how he randomly knocked on a door of a home. He had a soccer ball and and shorts as if he was going to a soccer field. And this big burly guy opens the door and and he says, hey, I'm just wondering if you would let me play soccer in your backyard. (laughs) Right? This is amazing. So crazy the guy says okay and lets him in and and then he's like oh shoot now I actually have to do it (laughs) so so he's in this backyard and he's he's playing soccer by himself and he actually even got the guy to take a selfie of him you know with the with the foot up on the soccer ball and and he asked him afterwards why did you say yes to me and this guy said how could I not? It was the craziest question I had ever been asked, the craziest invitation, right? So, um, so sometimes when, when maybe when we think that we have a crazy invitation for people into something, maybe they're not going to think it's that crazy. So, Mike, somehow I could see you doing that experiment. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think there's a solid possibility that that's going to happen in the very near future. I was going to say, I don't think it would fit, but we should have that guy on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> I think so. He was amazing. Uh, so delightful and energetic. But yeah, I was really fascinated by this because um, I hadn't, I guess for me, I hadn't really considered um, what that would look like to somebody being um, an extrovert and um, having uh, some strengths such as includer, positivity, woo. Um, yeah, so for me, it's just natural. Mm -hmm. And and I don't typically have that that real fear of rejection mm -hmm. into things, um, but for for most people mm -hmm. that is really a serious thing. Mm -hmm. I wonder too, because growing up in the church, I didn't see anybody's life changed. Mm. Uh, I didn't experience my my experience of church wasn't thoroughly engaging and and fun and dynamic. And so what was I inviting people to? I, I didn't really feel like I had anything I could invite somebody to that would actually make a difference because to be honest with you, I didn't really feel like it made a difference for me. And I, I went to church because my mom made me and I, was, I knew that good people went to church and I'm a Catholic and that's what Catholics did. So I was caught up culturally in this kind of activity and behavior and I knew there was more to it than I could comprehend and appreciate and I knew there was more to it than I was experiencing but I didn't know how to get from here to there and so to invite to somebody to that where I couldn't even explain the mystery that was our faith and and I couldn't articulate like I just there was no anticipation that anybody's life was going to change in most of the things that we did mm -hmm. now with that said you know things like challenge weekend where I met father James or alpha or Medjugorje, they talked about in the last episode. Like, what do we have in our church where lives are changed, where we can expect people to be impacted in a positive way? And if we don't have anything, we better figure that out. Or we can't ask our people to be invitational. Absolutely. Yeah, the invitation into something matters. And um, as you were talking, I was just thinking about... Um, the last time I invited some friends over and just said, hey, do you want to come over? And, uh, you know, I say watch Netflix, but really what we do is flip through Netflix for two hours trying to figure out what to watch <laughs> and then probably end up not watching something. Um, <laughs> not a great invitation as opposed to inviting somebody over for dinner and cooking for them and really mm -hmm. being hospitable and making it really welcoming and um, and something that they would want to be invited mm -hmm. to. Um, yeah, maybe I should be more... You guys are good at Hospitable. that. Hospitable. <laughs> I love going to your guys' house. Your, guy, your yeah. guys are great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think, Ron, what you were sharing earlier, you know, it's, it's the old, how do we develop confidence in something? Yes. Right? And mm -hmm. and what does it look like to, to help people grow in confidence? Because one of the things that was interesting that I observed is, is you know, I went from having a secular job and then I go into ministry. And all of a sudden in ministry, what was interesting is I found... I found, you know, the whole title of pastor and all that sort of stuff intimidated people, and that was a barrier. And I remember thinking to myself, huh, it was so much easier when I didn't have that title. And I, didn't have, I, I wish that I could be uh, just, <laughs> a a lay person, again. just a lay person again <laughs> when it comes to sharing my faith. And yet most lay people would say, huh, I, I, I wish I had a theology degree. I can't degree. do it because I'm not. You know, yeah. and so everybody thinks the other person's going to have an easier time, and we, lack and we lack confidence. And one of the things that I think we need to normalize for people is help them understand the influence they do have. Um, 
understand, you know, like, you, you know, I, I would always say, you know, as a pastor or, you know, priest, we're the used car salesman. And, and, and nothing to be derogatory to the used car salesman out there. But when, when Thank you. I was a salesperson before that. <laughs> but, but when you know someone's a salesperson, they've got this bit of an agenda, your barriers go up mm-hmm. a lot of times, right? But the person who's purchased the product that's made a difference in their lives, then all of a sudden that bears down. You know, if, if, if I know someone's trying to sell me, but then, Mike, you bought the product and mm-hmm. it made a huge difference to you. Oh, there's Mike. Mike has no agenda. Mike's not trying to make a living off of selling me something. And it made a difference. That barrier goes down. And if the average person that's encountered Jesus and seen Jesus change people can kind of get their head around that, that, that can be so freeing. But so often it's like, well, but what if they ask this question? And I don't know about that. And I'm not a priest. And I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to talk about Jesus, you know, in some cases, right? And so what does it take to, to help people understand they have influence, they can make a difference, and give them that confidence they can do so? Yeah, I think we fall into a trap when we look at people like projects and make them feel like they're a project to us in sharing our faith or inviting them into things. Um, We have to be mindful of that because I think uh, people are skeptical and and maybe more so when you are a pastor, you have a title like that, um, that there's some sort of hidden agenda into things. So... Um, yeah, I think being mindful of that and really just speaking into them as a person and uh, in a loving way. So when I hear you say that, Tanya, I think you're saying be, be aware of your motives. Absolutely. What are your motives? And, and, and hopefully it's love, mm-hmm. right? Like why do I care for people who aren't in a relationship with Christ? Why is it important? Well, if Jesus didn't die and raise from the dead, if he wasn't God, mm-hmm. then it's all a joke. Mm-hmm. But if he was, is there anything more important? And if there is eternal eternity and salvation, and I care about you, how can I not share it? Now, it doesn't mean I do it all the time because I don't. I'm a chicken, and I back out all the time. Like, I have so many friends who don't know Christ or, you know, you know, fallen away Catholics or what have you. And I engage them at different times and with a high degree of failure. Mm-hmm. And that's why, too, I always say I'm way better with people I don't know than with people that are close to me. And so mm. if I go get your family and friends and you go get my family and friends, maybe we can make a difference in the world because I'm right. pretty near useless nice. with the people that are closest well, to me. Well, that's how I felt. And I sort of touched on that a bit in the last uh, podcast that we did was for years yeah. <laughs> I had that desire for my husband to come to faith, to come to know Jesus and to have that relationship and all my efforts for 17 years right. were a big flop. And it wasn't until Bill Scollard had just a cup of coffee, Christ. who had just found his faith again, right? <laughs> yeah. Shared with him and invited him in, you know. And I was like, really? Really? Like, come on. And so, but, you know, like, it, it's true. Um, I think... When, when it appears that we have those hidden agendas with people, they're not even hearing us. Well, let's take a look, too. It, it's so true. They're not. And, and there's so many people. I've heard churches, I've heard leaders of churches say, we're just going to work on discipling people to the point where they're ready to go on mission. Mm-hmm. As if, if, as soon as we know this great big body of information and all these teachings and all these truths, then we'll be effective. That's not true. People, when they encounter Christ, can be effective in an instant. And if we will just Mm -hmm. unleash them and invite them to invite, 
you'll be shocked and give them something worth inviting people to, you'll be shocked at the impact that we can have. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that oftentimes when we first come to faith, it's a shallow existence Mm -hmm. and it's at risk. But we have a responsibility as leaders in the church to go on discipling people, form them, catechize them, you know, bring them to the sacraments and the richness and the fullness of the Mm -hmm. church. We have the rest of their life to do that. But if we think we have to do all those things before we get them to invite, we're we're done. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, what's interesting around that, too, is, you know, statistically, the the longer um, the longer you follow Jesus, the more cut off you get from other people. Right. And so um, I saw it somewhere. Within five years, most people that come to faith don't have a close relationship with someone outside the church, right? And it's, it's, it's great to have Christian community, right? Obviously, you want to have other believers around you, yeah. strengthen you, things like that. So I'm not speaking against that. Mm-hmm. But our discipleship pulls people inside into a cloistered, you know, cocoon to where they the, the, the world is evil and I don't want to have anything to do with it, including people who don't know Jesus, right? And it's one of those things I think... Our discipleship is failing if that's what's happening. But second of all, yes. if you tell someone, yeah, in two or three years you'll be ready to invite, they're not going to have anyone to invite. Amen. So what, with your experience at St. Benedict, what are some of the things that, that you're doing in, in your work to make people feel more comfortable with these things? Like how, how are we doing it? How are we changing it? What yeah. are we doing in our parishes to actually change these things? Right. Uh, so over the summer, we actually, um, we ran uh, what we call beta. Mm-hmm. And um, we really wanted to focus on equipping people on how to invite. Mm-hmm. So our beta nights were insanely focused on inviting. Um, our Beta night in July, um, we had a, a talk, and it was so lovely. Um, it was it was very much sort of the the whole fishing for men, right? So taking from Scripture how Jesus said, "I want you to be a fisher of men," mm-hmm. and and the talk was based around, "Hey, listen, anybody can fish." Right. So some people are really good at fishing. Some people have all the equipment. They have like crazy gear. Right. Like my dad. Hello, Ron. I've seen Ron's results of fishing before in a little tiny stream. And anyway, he would say it was this big. No. uh, But um, so but the point is anybody can fish. Mm -hmm. Yes. You don't have to know where to go, what to do, you know, drop your line in, right, is basically the message. Uh, You know, just do it, basically. Just Mm -hmm. put yourself out there to drop the line in and see what you catch. And and the talk went on to say, hey, um, you know, went out fishing all day long and caught nothing, right? Mm -hmm. But I went fishing with my friends, and we had a blast doing it. And guess what? We're going to go again next weekend. Yeah. Even though we didn't catch anything this weekend, we have faith that we're going to catch something next weekend. And so, really cool. so it's, mm. it's, it's that continuation. Don't be discouraged if you don't catch something right away. Mm-hmm. Just keep trying. Keep fishing. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I remember when Father Simon at one time in his homily, just he literally walked us through how in his homily and I've been doing alpha for years nobody ever taught me how 
And it was so simple. And I think it was far more natural to him than it is to me. And I learned so much and I was able to put it into action right away. Not, not unlike fishing. Like my brother has a, a stocked pond. I literally can't catch anything in a stocked <laughs> pond. And, and, but he teaches me how, like he shows me little tricks and I can get better. Like anybody can fish mm-hmm. and also anybody can get better. And I love that St. Benedict is encouraging people to fish, but also teaching them how to get better. That is so cool. And it really started with, um, you know, what's your elevator pitch type of thing, right? Right, Like, so take some time, write down. If you had one minute or less in an elevator with somebody who you wanted to invite, what would you say to them? And writing that down. And then we got everybody, we said, whoever's beside you, practice with Mm -hmm. one another. And then I want you to go to another grouping because we had sort of groupings of people go to another grouping and find somebody and practice with them. We always gravitate towards the people we know. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so the final one was find somebody you don't know and practice with them Mm -hmm. and give your pitch. And so we did it three times and, and people loved it. It's fun. It's so much fun. (laughs) Right. And, and it was useful because they took their, their little cue cards home with them. Um, and, yeah, it was amazing. So, do you know what's so cool is because I have a background in sales and I do like used car salesmen. Yeah. And <laughs> just for the record, an illustration. And, <laughs> and when we, I used to be in pharmaceutical sales. Father James always jokes I used to sell drugs. And one of the things that we would do anytime we'd launch a new product, or even when we wouldn't launch a new product, when we come back and get together for sales, we'd role play. And we'd role play around what? We'd role play around obstacles that we expect to hear from our clients because. Not everybody says, hey, I have this new drug. This is how much it costs. Do you want it? Yeah, I think I'm going to use it all the time. Like, that never happens. Like, you're always going to get objections. And that's for selling pharmaceuticals, where there's 10 other products in that same category. We're talking about Jesus. What could be more important? To be able to role play and to invest and to have fun and to lead into that. Because nobody's going to do that unless it's facilitated and led. And for you guys to have the wisdom and the courage and the fun. To yeah. create an environment where, where you could just do a simple teaching and, and, and lead into it. People will participate even if they don't want to do it right. at first or they seem like they don't want to do it. They'll do it and they'll have fun and they'll be better fishermen. That is awesome. Well, it's, re- it's really interesting to me that, uh, you know, in the, in the business world, we talk all the time about evangelists. You know, we were talking earlier about Apple. You know, the, the company, we have evangelists for Apple who are just people who experience this phone and then they go, oh, I love this. I have to tell everybody about it. And, and then they go and tell people about it. Well, we also need to work very much on making sure that people love the experience they're having because then they want to share it. You know, we have, it, it's in our user manual. Evangelism is <laughs> in the user manual. It's the Great Commission. Go and tell. Go, 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 and, make. go and make. And so it's interesting to me that, that, you, that at St. Benedict, you really broken that down and said, okay, well, how do we do that? And and we know because we're this community that when people come here, they love it. So obviously we want to. And you can make people want to be invitational by saying, there's something you're going to love when you get here. Uh, so I, I just, I, I love hearing a parish do those sorts of activities that, that get you into that mindset. I've heard it said one time that if you want to change people's behavior, you need to do two things. You need to inspire or motivate. And then you need to give them skills. And so Mm -hmm. often in the church, we just tell people what to do. And we give them the scriptures of why. And we give them the theology behind why. But we don't show them how. We don't give them the skills. 
And what you're doing is breaking down the invitation so that it becomes a skill, right. not just a guilt thing. You need to invite people. I just heavily mm-hmm. laid on, relied on guilt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you guys are now. That's a common <laughs> theme, I believe, in, 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 the, in the Catholic oh, Church. Irish We've got Catholic that, all, that so. all down. So. I am good at it. But to be able to break it down as a skill, too, that's genius. Well, and I think, too, it's important to recognize that it is hard for people, mm-hmm. you know? And once you say, hey, listen, we're not saying this is going to be amazing and you're going to have the best time ever and, and everybody's going to say yes and woohoo, let's go, let's do this thing. No, no. <laughs> like we're saying, we know it's hard. We know it's difficult. We know there's a genuine fear of rejection here, but we want to help you to be better at that, be better at coping with all of those fears and anxieties. We also never say, hey, listen, we expect that you're going to invite 10 people and show up with those 10 people. Right. Right. right? right. The expectation is, is that we're going to help you to be comfortable enough to invite, and then we're going to let the Lord do the rest. So, Tanya, I, I want to thank you for joining us today. And, and as sort of a closing, what would you give the one piece of advice that you would give church leaders uh, to give them something uh, to be able to help people get over uh, the fear of, of that they may have of evangelization? Right. I would say have something really good to invite people into. And, you know, Alpha is the tool that we use at St. Benedict Parish that we have found extraordinary. Um, But also think about those next steps for people. Mm -hmm. Think about the things that you could potentially develop to invite people into after Alpha. Mm -hmm. Because the last thing you want is for people to come in, do Alpha, be super excited, and then have nothing and we want, our, we want our parishioners to say, hey, you know, you've done Alpha. We want you to join this connect group. We want you to join a discipleship group. All of those next steps, try to um, think ahead of the eight ball, so to speak, and have those, those infrastructures in place when the time is right, if you're just starting your Alpha or whatever program you're onboarding new guests into. I love that, Tanya. You know, we need to get creative in terms of what we're inviting people to because the culture shifted <laughs> and we need to find ways to to invite people to things that we know that they'll love, whether it's Alpha, Christ Life, Grief Support, Children's Ministry. There's so many things and whatever that looks like, uh, we need to be able to create those spaces where people, to your point, Rob, can be confident. I think the other thing that you talked about so nicely, which I think is so cool is, and then what's after that? Like, let's make the invitation beyond the initial invitation. Let's invite people to go deeper and deeper. It's a walk. It's a journey. And and that's what I love about the richness of the Catholic Church is there's just so many cool things mm-hmm. that we can continue to invite people to. Thanks for everything you've shared. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us today. This was an absolute pleasure to have this conversation about uh, about invitation. And we invite you to join us again next week as we inspire and equip you to take your parish for maintenance commission. God bless. Thanks so much for listening. If you're excited for more content, check out Unlocking Your Parish, Making Disciples and Raising Up Leaders Through Alpha by Ron Hunley and Father James Mallon. For more information on all of our books, check out the link in the description below. Next week on the podcast. A lot of times you take all the three readings at Mass and you try to summarize them or or develop a theme. And and now what we're trying to do is take one of the passages and still make it meaningful and applicable, not just try to explain it, right? But how does that actually help you grow closer to Jesus? 